Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Excited about this series. We're going to jump straight into the word on week one of relationship goals. Mark 2, 1 through 12. Mark 2, 1 through 12, it reads like this. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. They removed the barrier. They, they, they broke the barrier. I think as Jesus followers, all of us have a mandate to remove any barriers that hinder people from having an encounter with Jesus. I was uh, coming to church today and I stopped to get gas. There's a gas station by my house. I live in Broussard's, Richie's, why not stop? How I many you know what gas station that is? Okay, I have been inviting the gas station clerk to church for six months, every Sunday. It's like an ongoing joke. Do you invite me to church? Yes, I am. And I walked into there today. I said, hey, you know, it's a great day to come to church. I'm preaching. She said, actually, I get off of work at 10, but I can't come. I said, why? She said, I don't have church clothes. I said, don't worry about church clothes. Just just come to church. (laughs) Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like, pastor, I don't know about this church thing. Like, I feel like I got to get some stuff cleaned up first before I come to Jesus. No, no, no. You don't get cleaned up and come to Jesus. You go to Jesus and Jesus cleans you up. Yeah, religion will always tell you that you have to do something first to get to Jesus. I gotta be good enough and then come to him. We can never be good enough. That's why he came to us. We gotta be barrier breakers. They removed the roof above him. When they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins? but God alone. And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned, first time I said that right, within themselves said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. Said they were all amazed and glorified God saying, say this with me, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. My hope is that we become a church where when people come in, they don't just hear good teaching or just hear good worship, but they actually have such an encounter with the presence of God that when they leave, they say, I've never experienced anything like that, whatever that is, I I need that. This morning on week one of relationship goals, I wanna talk to you from this topic if you're taking notes this morning. Who is with you? I've been reading a study by a guy named A.W. Tozer and he has this study called the seven rules of self-discovery. And basically the heart of this whole study is to help us discover who we really are. 
This study has recently become very relevant because we live in a social media generation where everyone is posting very filtered pictures of ourselves. Come on, you know you've gone on social media and seen someone and thought, that doesn't even look like you. <laughs> this morning, I don't want to deal with your social media self, your projected self. This morning, I want to deal with who you, who you really are. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but do you know that God loves you for who you really are, not for who you pretend to be? Tozer would tell us that there's seven different ways to discover who we really are. He would say things like, you are what you think. That your life is going in the direction of your greatest thought. This is why Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Here's what I've discovered in my own life. If I'm not waking up every morning fixing my eyes on Jesus, if I'm not first thing in the morning before I get on social media, before I check emails, if I don't fix my thoughts, the world will fix them for me. <laughs> Pastor, how do you do that? How do we fix our thoughts on Jesus? What's a practical way to do that? Well, Pastor Jacob has challenged us to give the first 24 minutes of our day in 2024 to God. I've got a little graphic for you. You can take pictures of this. This is helpful. Just a practical template. Uh, here's what I've learned. Goals don't change your life. Habits do, develop some strong spiritual habits. Seven minutes of worship every morning. Just, you know, powerful that is before you talk to anyone, you just allow worship just to minister to you. Seven minutes of the word. You might be saying, Pastor, I don't even know where do I, where, where do I start. I encourage you to start in John. It's all about the life of Jesus. Seven minutes of prayer. That might sound intimidating. Prayer is less about content. It's more about connection. It's less about what you're saying. It's more about who you're spending time with. And lastly, three minutes of confession. And let me tell you why this is so important, this first 24, to fix your eyes on God. Because here's what I've learned. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I had years of negative thoughts. I had years of looking at stuff I shouldn't have looked at that scarred me. Uh, I had uh, years of just toxic thinking. Here's what I discovered. When you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. If you're here this morning, you're dealing with a negative thinking, you just feel like I'm always in fear. I'm always in, those are called strongholds. And let me tell you what a stronghold is, it's simple. A stronghold is anything that goes above God's word. So the way you break strongholds is you elevate that above the thought. So if the Bible, if, if the thing that you're telling yourself is I'm not enough, the Bible says I'm more than enough in Christ Jesus. Does this make sense this morning? Every day you gotta fix your thoughts on God. Tozer would say number one is that you are what you think. The second thing Tozer would tell us is that you, you are what you want. That your desires are in the driver's seat of your life. But out of these seven rules of self-discovery and relationship goals week one, there's one that I really want to focus on this morning. I just want to park here. Number six on Tozer's list tells us that if you really want to know who you actually are, you are the company you keep. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And I'm not even a prophet. Look here, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts. Say with me. Good character. Parents, can I just talk to you just for a moment? In the culture that we're living in, we can never be too protective over the influences of our children. 
We can never be too protective over who are the voices speaking into their lives because what this scripture is telling us is do not be misled. In other words, don't think your parenting is the exception. Don't think that, that, that what you're doing is the exception. Bad company, an extended season with the wrong influence corrupts good character. The word that I like is overrides good character. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So this means that every relationship in your life is impacting and influencing your life. You see, I used to buy into the lie that there was such thing as neutral friendships. Let me explain to you what this means. Uh, Pastor, I'm like the only real passionate Jesus follower in my friend group. I'm the only one that's really coming to church, really in my word. My friends are really not that. They're more so like the party type, but they don't really affect me. Out of all the married couples that we're doing life with, we're really the only ones that are like planted in the local church, like standing on God's word. Like they don't really affect us. You know, there's no such thing as a neutral friendship. Every person in your life is either pushing you towards your relationship with Jesus or pulling you further from your relationship with Jesus. Don't ever buy into the lie that you can surround yourself with people that are building their lives on something other than this and it will not eventually affect the way you build your life. There's no such thing as a neutral friendship. Look right here, Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become, oh, that was weak, and become, but the companion of fools suffers harm. I have good news for you this morning. Walk with the wise and become wise. If you came here looking for wisdom at the 11 o'clock service, here it is. Get around wise people. Why? Because there's something called more is caught than taught. You know, you get around people that have been following Jesus longer than you. Their marriage has been through more storms than you. You just walk close to them and what's on them gets on you. But the second part of this, what does this say? But a companion of fool will suffer harm. Have you ever considered the reason your life is always a mess is because all of your friends are fools? Good morning. I was having a conversation uh, recently after a service a few weeks ago and I was talking to a girl, she's about 22, senior in college, and she was complaining to me about some things, venting to me, and I had to stop her halfway through because she said, Pastor, you don't understand, my best friend is a liar. I said, say that again really slow. I told her, maybe the issue is not that your best friend is a liar. Maybe the issue is that you've labeled a liar your best, your best friend. We gotta be more careful over who we call our friends, over who we give access to. Now I know what you're all thinking, so I'm just gonna say it. Pastor, aren't we Christians? Isn't like everybody supposed to be our friend? No, look what the apostle Paul says. Romans 13, eight, we owe no man anything but to love him. I want you to hear this. This is gonna set somebody free this morning. We owe people love, but we do not owe people access. Those are two entirely different things. I will love you, I will pray for you, I will partner with you in your issue. But if you are my friend, I'm giving you access. I'm giving you influence. I'm allowing you to speak into the direction of my life. I'm allowing you to speak into my marriage, to speak into my parenting. We have to realize that we have to be wise with the people that we give access to. Look at 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness 
and wickedness have in common? Righteousness and wickedness. There's no middle ground. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, a yoke is, is a wooden object that farmers in these days, what they would do is they would place a strong ox shoulder to shoulder with another strong ox. And they would place a yoke on these ox and they would actually plow in straight lines. And basically what the author is saying is you would be a fool to put a strong ox shoulder to shoulder with a weak ox because they would begin to plow in zigzags or even worse, they would waste their time going in circles. Some of you are already starting to understand this example because you come to church Sunday after Sunday, but you feel like you keep going in circles. Could it be the reason your life is going in circles is because you've never taken time to stop and check who's in your own circle? God loves you. He has a purpose and plan for you. But if you are not careful with who is with you, you're just going to keep going in circles. That's a great place to clap this morning. Now, I want to give you a visual this morning. I'm a visual person. Come on, where's my visual learners here? Okay, thank you. A little visual. This is for you. Now, I'm so grateful that we have a lot of young people here serving. Shout out to these guys, Reagan, John, here every single Sunday serving in our junior high ministry. Amazing. Uh, my wife's grandfather gave his life to the Lord. He's, he's like 85. He comes to the 745 service and he came out of the Methodist church. He said, man, it blows me away to see teenagers worshiping here at 745 in the morning. I never get tired of seeing that. Okay, now listen, just be honest with me, you're strong. So. You swole? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You have a disease called swoliosis? Yes. Okay, how often do you work? This isn't about you, get up on the bench, okay? This is no longer about you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I want you to see this. I want you to see this with me. Because oftentimes when we get saved, we, uh, with our friendships, we, we, we can kind of have a savior complex. Just hear me. It was Jesus who said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come follow me and I'll make you catchers of men. It's our job to fish, but inevitably it's Scott's job to catch. And I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, 26 years old, okay, I went from partying, I was downtown to just giving my life to Jesus, radical on fire. So now I'm taking all my party friends to coffee and, and, and I'm trying to tell them about my life change that's happened. This person that I met named Jesus and now everything's different. I used to have to look for satisfaction in dating relationships, but I don't have to do that anymore because now I'm finally fulfilled with the source that never runs dry. I'm just telling them this. I'm just preaching. I'm just sharing my testimony. And I remember being so upset, so frustrated when at the end, there was one coffee conversation in particular with a friend of mine. I can see it right now. He listened to me. He was polite, wasn't disrespectful. Because at the end, he said, hey, bro, this is, a, this is cool. You're on this Jesus thing. <laughs> That's just not me. I think we're just going two separate ways. I remember for two weeks, that like jacked me up. That, that was like heavy on me. Like I literally felt like his eternity is my responsibility. And a pastor told me something that was so freeing that I want to share with you today. He said, Joseph, never forget our responsibility as Jesus followers is simply to sow seed. God's job is outcome. And every time you go from sowing seed to trying to control outcome, you end up bearing God's size weight that is weight that you were never created to carry. Okay. I'm not the redeemer. I'm not the savior. I'm just a mechanism that God uses. Amen. Thank you. 
Okay, so Reagan's so swole. Okay, I want you to do me a favor. Okay, I want you to pick John up and put him on this bench with you. I mean, really pick him up. Okay, all right, son. You see, it's so, so difficult to pull somebody up. So difficult. John, can you do me a favor? Now, Reagan, don't move. You're planted, strong conviction. Come on now. John, can you see if you can pull him down? Just, like, I don't know if we have insurance at the church yet. <laughs> it's hard to pull somebody up, but it's easy to pull somebody down. And what happens is we get saved and we come to church Sunday after Sunday, but because we are not careful with our friendships, we find ourselves getting pulled back down to the level of everyone around us. You can clap right there. That's a great point right there. Good to see you, brother. Thank you, This is a simple message this morning. If you feel like you're in a cycle, seasons change regardless of you. Cycles will not change until you change. And some of us out of unhealthy loyalty to our partners, we end up staying in stuck and broken places in life. And hear me this morning, how far you're willing to go is based on what you're willing to leave behind. It's time to leave behind some friendships in 2024. If you're taking notes, these are three things that we learned from the paralyzed man. Three things we learned from the paralyzed man. The first thing we learned is he didn't tolerate being treated like a victim. You see, in those days, they believed that if you were paralyzed, uh, if you were blind, if you were deaf, if you had any kind of physical condition, they actually believed it was because of hidden sin in your life. So you did something to cause your blindness. You must have done something to cause you being paralyzed, to cause you being deaf. But here's the truth this morning. This man wasn't paralyzed because of hidden sin. This man was paralyzed just like because of life. Life just happens. <laughs> and this morning, I would love to stand up on this stage and tell you that the moment you say yes to Jesus, life gets easier. <laughs> but how many know sometimes it doesn't get easier? Sometimes life gets harder. I know for years, my issue was I, I, I had this perspective of Jesus that he was my rescue helicopter. When the waves of storm, when the waves of life became too overwhelming, when my boat began to rock, I would just yell, Jesus! fly over, pick me up, and drop me off on dry land. This morning, I want to remind you that Jesus is not a rescue helicopter that saves you from the storm. Jesus is an anchor that holds you fast right in the middle of it. Yeah, life's coming. If it hasn't hit you, it's coming. Life touches everyone. I think the problem for many of us is when bad things happen, hear me, that you didn't even cause. When bad things happen that you had no part in, we tend to think like a victim. And we surround ourselves with people that coddle us instead of people that challenge us. Yeah. My, uh, my three-year-old son, his name's John Wesley, and he's recently going to do something pretty amazing. Now, I know that as parents, we think everything our children do is amazing, so just hang with me for a moment. About... I think it was last year, we had this bedtime routine to where I put him in the bath and, and uh, he, he started holding his breath under the water. And, you know, at first it was one second, two seconds. At two years old, he was holding his breath under the water for five seconds. That's impressive. I know grown men in this church who can't hold their breath underwater. Okay, that is impressive. Two years old, five seconds underwater. I'm raising the next Aquaman in my house, Michael Phelps Jr. He will support Rochelle and I. And I remember uh, in the middle of, this season, uh, 
It was actually one Sunday after church. I was headed home and I had them in the back of my truck. And I went to the car wash by my house. And I remember as I was pulling into the car wash, like the water started to hit the hood of my truck and Aquaman Jr., Michael Phelps in my back seat starts losing it. Like scary water, scary water. He was freaking out. It was that kind of scream. Parents, you know that scream where it's like, okay, I, I, I need to get him out of this situation. And, and I remember it literally like, you know, like, you know how those car washes work to where your tire's on the automatic track and it's like now we're like, you're in it. I was in it. And I full on put my truck in reverse and I was gonna back out because he was, he was losing it. As soon as I put that thing in reverse, I'm telling you, I heard the Holy Spirit say, go into that car wash. I'm not raising a victim in my house. And I don't want John Wesley thinking he gets dropped off before life happens. So I coddled him, but like just for a moment, just for a moment, I grabbed his foot, I was rubbing on it. I said, son, I love you. You will be the next Michael Phelps. You are gonna retire me early. But we're going through the car wash. Do you know what happened when that truck went to the car wash and that blue and red yellow foam began to run down the windows? He was laughing. He was trying to roll down his window to feel the water in the car wash. <laughs> you may be here this morning and uh, life has happened to you. Loss that you didn't choose that chose you. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it's a health thing, whatever it is. I need you to hear me this morning. I need you to hear me. You gotta get up. You gotta get healing. You gotta go forward. I see it happen all the time as a pastor, all the time. There comes a moment in life where if you stay seated too long, you hold on to her too long, you no longer have a hold of it. It has a hold of you. And now your identity are the things that have happened to you and not the God that died for you. This man was paralyzed. Talk about someone that had the excuse to be a victim. Paralyzed, unable to walk. But somehow, some way, there was something about this man that said, no, 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 you, you can see me like an outcast, but that's not how I see myself. He didn't want his friends to enable him. He needed friends that empowered him. <laughs> he didn't need their sympathy, he needed their strength. You may be here this morning and life has happened to you. I'm so sorry, but it's time to get healing. It's time to go forward. The first thing we see about this man is he refused to be treated like a victim. The second thing we see about this man is he wasn't insecure around stronger people. He wasn't insecure around stronger people. This man was paralyzed. He could have not had a victim mentality but all the positive thinking in the world wasn't going to physically get him to the feet of Jesus. He actually needed people who had stronger legs than he did to get him to a place that on his own, he could not go. You know, the older I get, 32, so you know, I'm still young. The older I get, the more I realize, like, I, I, I gotta have people in my life that are stronger than me. Come on, you, start, you get married, you start having two kids. I gotta have people that have been doing this parenting thing longer than me. I gotta have people that are following Jesus. I, I just, I need that in my life. How about this? I need people that will tell the truth to me. Look at Proverbs 27, six. 
It says, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had someone say something to you, one of your friends, say something to you that felt like a wound? Check you, challenge you. You might find out that you don't even have friends. You just have followers. In this my truth culture, we end up cutting off everyone that disagrees with what we say, and we end up with a bunch of people that don't really love us that are telling us what we want to hear. It's not cute. Look what Dr. Darius Daniel says. He says, an authentic friend would rather be willing to hurt my feelings than see me hurt my life. You know, Jesus gave us a command, John 13, 34. He said, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Think John 3, 16. How did Jesus love us? Sacrificially. For God so loved that he, sacrificially. I want you to hear this. When I tell someone what they want to hear, I sacrifice them for my benefit. But when I tell someone what they need to hear, I sacrifice myself for their benefit. When's the last time you were sacrificial in a friendship? Come on, I know you've heard that phone call and your friend's venting about the relationship and you wanna say, you're crazy, this is your fifth boyfriend, what are you doing? We all have that choice, right? Well, boo, I guess it's just them again, you know, for the fifth time, six months, I guess it's them. (laughs) Maybe the six will work. I encourage you, go deeper. I encourage you, take that moment to say, I can't do this. If I, am I your friend? Yes, okay, you're wrong. I love you. You are unhealthy, you are insecure, and you're trying to find your identity in something other than your relationship with Jesus. Relationships were never meant to complete you. They were meant to complement you. If you aren't complete with your relationship with Jesus, no man or woman will ever satisfy the deepest desires of your heart. Stop trying to find your identity in a person. There's only one person you can find your identity in. His name is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. (laughs) Hebrews 13, eight. The second thing we see about this man is he wasn't insecure around stronger people. And lastly, as I close, he surrounded himself with faith. Surrounded himself with faith. I want you to imagine this scene. Really place yourself in the story with me just for a moment. Just give me a moment. Um, I really struggled with reading my Bible for a while because it's just, it seemed like something I couldn't relate to. So now I've started this thing where I try to place myself in the story. Like, what would it actually be like to, 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 to be there? And, 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 and Pentecost, when Peter walks out 3,000, what would it actually be like to be there when, when the blind man got healed? So I, I just want you to put yourself in the story with me for a moment. Four men carrying their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They get to the house, they open the door and there's no room. I don't know how many of you were like me, but I probably would have just came back another day. This isn't our day, this brother's probably heavy. Just actually just think about it. He's been paralyzed his entire life. Think about the condition he was in. He's been laying on this mat his entire life. Think about how it smelled. Just think about the place that he was in. They're carrying him. It probably took everything that his friends had to even get him there. And then they open the door and there's no room. We know these friends had faith. 
because they didn't take no for an answer. The Bible says that they go on the roof and they cut a hole. They didn't give up. They were so certain that if they could get their friend with just in proximity of Jesus, they were so confident of who this man Jesus was that they were willing to do drastic things. They just, if we could just get you there, everything changes. That's how I feel about my friends. That's how I feel about people in my life. You're Jack. If you could just get there, if you could just experience his presence, everything changes. We know that these men had faith, not just because of what they did, but also because of what Jesus said. Look at Mark 2, 5. And when Jesus saw, say this with me, their faith. Come on, say it again. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. That's wild. Jesus looks at a man he doesn't even know and says, I don't even know you, but because of the faith of your friends, your sins are forgiven. How about the importance of relationships, the importance of friendships? That's a message in its own, not my message this morning, but that's a message in its own. Because of the faith of the people that you've chosen to surround yourself with, you're good. This is powerful, this is a miracle, but if I can be honest this morning, as I was reading this in order, I'm thinking, Jesus, it's, it's, it's awesome that you're talking to his sin, but the need is here. <laughs> his brother's paralyzed. And here's something I've noticed about Jesus is, Jesus deals with the interior before he deals with the exterior. Jesus is more concerned about his spiritual condition than his physical condition. Because what good is it to have two healthy legs, but be spiritually dead? So I'm gonna get to that, but I wanna deal with the important thing first. Your sins are forgiven. Your spirits are redeemed. This is the greatest miracle. But remember, there's still this problem, right? Because the Pharisees are in the room. They're there. Remember the thinking of the day, the thinking of the day with the Pharisees. If, if, if you have a physical condition, it's because of your sin. So how can you say that his sins are forgiven, but he's on his back? Something's off. And because Jesus cares about everyone, even the Pharisees, even the religious people, Jesus loves people that it's hard for us to love. Even the Pharisees, he says, you know what? Okay. Mark 2, 8 through 12. Jesus looks at these religious people and says, why are you questioning these things in your heart? What's easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. What he's telling these people is so you know I'm him. The person you've been studying about, the person you've been waiting for, he's in the room. And so you know that I'm him. Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And the man rose, immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God saying, here it is, we've never seen anything like this. There's only one person that gets glory and honor in this story, it's Jesus. He's the healer, he's the redeemer. But it'd be foolish for us not to pause for the cause of recognizing that this man's four friends played a critical role in this story. Maybe you're sitting here during this entire message and you're thinking, Pastor Joseph, I hear you talking about godly relationships and like the whole time you're thinking, I know you're thinking of your friends, like it's not her, it's not him. I don't know if I have those kind of, like that, that kind of faith-filled friends. Like, I don't know if I have that. I have good news for you. 
we're launching something called small groups next week. Small groups are normally eight to 12 weeks and we have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, single groups. And some of them read the Bible together. Some of them do curriculum, but it's really not even about that. It's really about divine joining, finding faith-filled friends to do life with. Because when life comes, not if life comes, when life comes, if you're alone, you don't stand a chance. Every semester I lead a group called the Freedom Group and um, it's one of my favorite groups to lead. I wish you could be in my group. There's nothing more powerful than seeing grown men in their 30s and 40s begin to weep. when We talk about topics like forgiveness and they finally are able to forgive their father for the absent person that they were in their lives. It's most of the times the case. Go back into their homes and break generational curses. And two years ago, I led a freedom group. It was powerful. I didn't realize how powerful until about two weeks later. And I, I, one of the guys in the group sent me a text and it just wrecked me. And it so beautifully articulates the importance of godly relationships that I asked him if I could share his text with you today. And he said, I could. He said, hey, pastor, I wanted to take a moment and tell you what this small group's done for me. I grew up without a father in my life. I've had to learn to be a man on my own, a husband on my own, and most recently and most difficult, a father on my own. My wife's been telling me for years that I needed to reach out to some men in the church for help, but being vulnerable enough to ask other men for help was impossible. Always grew up thinking men don't talk about this kind of stuff, but boy, was I wrong. When I joined your small group, it was the first time in my life that I've ever opened up to anyone about all the hurts and disappointments that I've experienced. I was so shocked to see how many other men in the group also experienced wounds and abandonment issues with their fathers. I want you to know that after finishing the Freedom Group, I've experienced so much healing in my life. I now pray with my wife every morning and night, and I read Jesus Calling with the kids before they go to sleep. The small group has not just transformed my life, it's transformed my families as well. You can clap for that, it's powerful. This morning, I want to end how I began. I got a question for you. Who's with you? With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I believe there's two groups of people in the room. I think the first group is saying, Pastor, I hear you talking about those relationships. I hear you talking about those friendships. I don't have them. <laughs> I need that. What you were talking about, that kind of faith-filled friend, I'm struggling right now. No one knows what I'm going through. I, I, I need that. This morning, I just want to pray that as only God can in his sovereignty, that he brings just the right person into your life. Just the answered prayer. The mama that's been a little further than you. The married couple that, that's just been through a few more storms. If that's you, every head bowed, every eyes closed, and you're saying, Pastor, I, I want you to pray for me that God just brings me that person. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, two, three. If that's you, come on, hands up all across the room you can put your hands down. Father, I thank you that your word says that you put the lonely in family. 
I thank you that what we lack in the natural, you make up for in the spiritual. I pray that 2024 becomes a year where there's such a divine encounter with someone that they become my battle partner. They become my storm warrior. That when I'm going through it, they're praying on my behalf. That when I don't have strength to stand, they're standing with me. Father, I thank you that there are people here that because of this message, because of this moment, they're gonna find a divine joining God relationship. Second group here with every head bowed and every eyes closed, you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I hear you talking about Jesus, but I don't have a relationship with him. I've done religion. Like I, I know the sit, stand, kneel thing, but what you're talking about is something different. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about checking a box. I'm talking about a daily personal relationship with someone who loves you. This might be hard to hear, but God loves you. He loves the real you. He doesn't just want partial custody of you. He wants all of you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I, 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 don't, I don't have that, but, but I gotta have that today. I can't walk out the way I walked in. I won't do it. If that's you, you want a personal relationship with Jesus, life-changing, never the same. On the count of three, every head bowed, every eye closed, it's just me looking. I want you to raise your hands and keep them high. One, this is your moment. Two, the time is now three. Come on, raise them and keep them high. Keep them high, keep them high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Keep them high. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. Keep them up. 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. You can put them down. You can put your hands down. Too many hands to count this morning. Church family, can we pray this prayer together with those that have decided to be Jesus followers? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you were the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is not my home. In Jesus' name, come on, amen. Can you put your hands together? Amen, amen. Let's put our hands together, celebrate those who prayed that prayer to be born again. Amen. Hey, listen, I know a lot of you are stirring right now. If you could, just keep your seat for just a few seconds, a few seconds, I promise you. I, pr I promise you the restaurants will be open, I promise. Hey, before you leave, listen, all the hands that went up, of course, we want to give glory to God for that. But if your hand, if you raised your hand, if you prayed the prayer to be born again, your next step is water baptism. So before you leave, make sure you fill out that blue connection card. You can leave it in your pew. One of our ushers will pick that up, and we'll follow up with you this week on that next step. Amen, everybody. Hey, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Let me pray over you, bless you. Receive this in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. And may he bless you in your going out and coming in and all that you set your hand to for his kingdom. May he prosper it. May he bless it. Now I bless you in the name of the Father, his son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said a good. Amen.